Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Desgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast of? Of happiness, of wellness, of amazing people and amazing stories. And today, the most important, amazing person in my life is going to be on my podcast. And yes, this is going to be my mom. So why did I put my mom on this podcast? Because not only did she put me through med school, supported me during residencies and fellowships, and was just the most caring, loving person in the whole world, and she deserves to be on my podcast. But I thought that this would be a great way to have a memory with her that will be stored forever and ever in the archives of podcasts. But more importantly, you know I love being a spokesperson for important causes. And you know my dad, Yep, he has some pretty bad Alzheimer's. And I was thinking, should I put a neurologist on? Should I put a doctor type person on? And I said, no, I want someone in the trenches who's actually going to give me their firsthand opinion about the emotions, the trials, the tribulations of having a loved one with Alzheimer's, which I can tell you sucks. So without further ado, let me introduce the most beautiful, wonderful person in the whole world. Tita Reyes de Scupta, also known as my mom. Yes, and I'm Ra- Dr. Raj Kumar Dasgupta's mom. My name is Tita, and I'm ready. <laughs> Wonderful. All questions that you and everybody wants to know about how to take care of an Alzheimer's patient. And he's my husband, Arabinda Dasgupta. Wonderful, mom. So, anyways, let's start off with some basics, okay? So, you're Filipino, dad's Indian. That makes me probably the most unique Indian Filipino in the whole world. But let's go back to you in the Philippines. Uh, growing up, what were your goals and dreams? My dreams in life was to become a medical doctor, a nurse, and to go abroad to have a better opportunity, better life. And that's what I did. And actually, it didn't happen to become a doctor. Because my mom told me and my dad, sorry, you can't be a doctor because we cannot afford it. You have too many siblings. And I was so upset, but I cannot say something bad to my mom and dad. I just have to follow what they told me. I can go for a midwifery. And that's where I am. And I graduated and then worked hard. I was young. Then, but I work hard in the hospital. Wow. So a midwife, for those who didn't catch that, delivers babies. I I didn't even know you did that, Mom. Yes. Two Uh, years midwifery. I told you. I forgot. Hey, don't give me a hard time on my podcast. (laughs) So (laughs) I like this transition right here. So, you know, because of how many siblings you had, it's hard to to shout the money. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? Actually, we have four brothers. One died when he was young. I haven't even seen it. And then the, uh, three were left. 
and the live ones. And then I have eight sisters, but one died also when I was young. I haven't seen her. And recently, my eldest one died. Mm. And that makes me very, very, very sad. So if we're going by the live siblings, I feel so bad saying this. You had 10. Correct. I did some math while you're talking. So, okay, I got to put you on the spot a little bit. Of the 10, I know what God says. We should be nice to everyone. But who's your favorite? My favorite (laughs) one is my eldest sister. She's very pretty, timid, but very compassionate, caring, and loving. And that's the reason why I miss her so much. She was the one who was able to send me abroad. I was working in the hospital so young. And one day he just told me that, guess what? I heard from the uh, radio. They're looking for nurses and midwives going to Toronto, Canada. And he has gathered all the things that I need and have the address of that person where we have to see. And the following day, we went there. And I can't believe it. When they interviewed me on the same day, they told me, you're accepted and you have the date to see the Canadian embassy as long as you have all these other papers to comply. And that's what it did. And I was so shocked. Until now, I can't believe that I will be going finally to fulfill my abroad dreams to go to Toronto, Canada. I didn't have any problem getting my Canadian papers and visa. They told me right away, when do you want (laughs) to go? And I was said, I have to go and speak to my mom and dad and my other siblings because I didn't say anything to anyone. This is kind of shocking. And I have to... Uh, say hello to my close friends knows about it i'm i don't like to talk too much about like being of having a big party i just want to do the quiet way i just enjoy it once it is already there i believe on enjoying the life when you have it and don't promise anything with it you cannot uh, uh, do it that's beautiful so before we dive more into you know everything that happened in canada I promised you that I'll ask you one high school question because Uh, you totally enjoyed high school more than I enjoyed high school. So, Mom, what was your favorite high school moment? What do you want to brag about right here? (laughs) During my high school, I am always, always ready to... I join all the social activities of the high school years. I have lots of friends going out, dancing, picnic, and at the same time, I, I was voted as the Miss um, High School, and then I was at Joliet. <laughs> and then that's the time when you whether you believe it. I don't have a boyfriend or steady boyfriend or this and that, but that's the first time when I receive all kinds of admirer love letters, and I used to laugh. Mm-hmm. And on cool. during my high school, we <coughs> have a... Young Realist Association, and we also have <clears throat> funding them for because we don't have a water well in the barrio where I live. So we have the money, raise money for the foundation and build two water pump for our barrio during my younger years. 
and I really love doing it for for the people of my barrio and have all those love letters coming in day in and day out. Mom, that's the second time you said love letters yeah. on the podcast. I got it. You're you're very beautiful now and in high school. Um, now that was great. That was just great. So let's talk about moving to Canada. I mean, I'm I'm just imagining. You know, what are you like? Four foot eleven or something? Yes. Like you're tiny. Eleven and a half. Or you're tiny. Yes. And you're going by yourself to North America. Are you scared? How was it like moving? Were you lonely? Going to Toronto, Canada. It's not that I'm being alone. I was so surprised. We have a group of nurses and midwives in that plane. And it happened to be that they voted me as the leader and speaker of that uh, group. And one of my classmates, and she's my friend, was with me. And so I wasn't really alone. In the long run, I find a friend. And in that group, they told us that we, someone a Filipino nurses who are ahead of us will meet us in the airport with a bus and all ready apartments for us. All what we need is ready for us because we are going to work in the same hospital that recruited us. Wow. Uh, hey, what's the name of the older sister that uh, got you this job? Oh, her name is Sinaida Sony Reyes. Wow. So your favorite your older sister, sister, who she's the one that set this all uh, up. Yes, yes. She yes. passed away. She passed away. Recently. And it just worked out that when you came, it was in the whole group of midwives the, the, and nurses, nurses. But you weren't a nurse. You were a midwife. Yeah, I have a, yeah my license of midwife from Philippines. So, so. I, my memories of you as being a nurse. Yeah. But yes. you were actually delivering babies yes, left and at right. That time, That's I didn't hilarious. have time. Mom, I, I love you. I didn't have time to well, finish my nursing, but. I finished my midwifery for two years. I may be the, the I may be the worst son. I don't know anything <laughs> about you. I'm doing a podcast and my, my my face is smiling. All right. So I really want to spend time about dad. And maybe you could incorporate nursing with dad. So how did you meet dad? Okay. I met dad during the wedding of my friend. I was a maid of honor and the other friend of mine is also maid of honor. She has an Indian boyfriend. From the same place where I'm the friend of my husband <laughs> and my husband. It was really a coincidence. So from there, we start exchanging phones, <laughs> talking about how good my friend said they're good Indians. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying Versus to the bad Indians. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, my husband is a good looking guy when he was young. Because he looks like me. He looks like I'm yeah. just joking. I'm just joking. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> just so I can clarify. So these friends were the same friends that came from the midwife. Yes. You're kidding me. <laughs> so it's a trickle effect. If your yes. sister didn't get you this job, you wouldn't have come here as a midwife, had the friends yeah. that met dad yeah. because he was a friend of another Indian yes. who was invited at the wedding. Okay. So here's an important question. What has attracted you to dad besides his good looks? What, what, okay, what was it? Besides his good yeah. looks. <laughs> this is like looking back when I was young, back in Auckland, there is a young Indian who owns a department store. And I, we buy all the things that we need for our school needs. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at him and I followed him and I said, 
you know what? One day I'm going to marry an Indian good looking as you. <laughs> and <laughs> it comes true. That, I never knew that. That is a, so funny. <laughs> now, as far as now, I know I don't want to sound like a superficial yeah. podcast beyond the looks. Was dad kind? Was he funny? What are some other traits that you kind of liked about him? Well, he's kind of quiet, but I didn't know that sooner or later, he's really a bully kind of a man. He is a bully. Who is, <laughs> who is a macho bully, but he doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> but macho always try to be the leader of everything. That he, what he says, you must do. That commanding way. And in the long run, it will hurt you because she just says something that will embarrass you. And that's the way he was. But I try to adjust myself. And at the same time, we have to respect his personal, cultural, religious belief. And that's what happened, uh, that I married him happily in the after all. And, 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 and before, I want to make sure I, I ask you this. And how many years are you married currently? Is he still alive? So how many oh, years are you married? Would you believe 54 years of ups and downs? But it is a good, happy years. So, and, and let me just ask you, you need to say yes or no. Let me throw some qualities out. Was, okay. was dad generous? Oh. Um, you didn't say husband. generous. You didn't say generous. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was more than generous. I helped my six nephews and one niece to university without hesitation. He said, okay, aside from sending our son to a private school and med school with all these expenses, it never bothered him or bothers us because we are ready for my one and only son to become whatever he wants to be in this world. And, and I would say, and you could correct me, Mom, if, I, if the way I view Dad, obviously a little different than the way you view him, is that he has so many good qualities in the inside. And maybe because of that bully-ishness <laughs> on the outside, you yeah. don't get to see a lot of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think he was a great dad. Was he a great husband? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Only, that's only his kind of way of talking. Well, I, don't, I know his way of talking. <laughs> he never hurt anybody. <laughs> Let's go to the proposal. You know what I mean? As I, I get kind of romantic about yeah. these things. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, how did he propose to you? Give me a little story about uh, yeah. that. After that wedding, the following day, it is a tradition, we go for a picnic. So we went to Niagara Falls, Canada, and we crossed the border to U.S. Uh, Niagara Falls. From there, she was trying to say that I really want to marry you. And then I said, <laughs> yeah. The day after sure, the wedding? Yeah. I was kind of shocked. I said, no, I have to check first to make sure that you are single mm -hmm. and you're professional and you are never been married. Mm -hmm. And he told me, here's my passport because we need passport going. <laughs> <laughs> and I still insist that, you know what, I'll think it over. And I know that Indians, not all Indians, I said, but they are betrothed when they were born to somebody else that were married later. But he said, not me. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story. I don't know why it took me, what, like 49 years to ask you this question. Yeah. That's a beautiful, well, scary. I mean, uh, 
you know, me and Michelle, yeah. it took a long time to propose to her. Yes, yes. Michelle will tell you that. But uh, next day? <laughs> I know. That was so fast. But okay, keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Married till maybe uh, the plan married, but I told him we were married. Simple one. Maybe two, two months. Okay, two so, months. <clears throat> that we will have a simple wedding just in the civil office. Okay. And have a simple uh, dinner or lunch dinner. Yeah. In the we call the famous China Litchi Garden in Toronto. Oh, nice, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. And uh, only our close friend because I said I don't want to spend my money with a, a big wedding. I like to save my money to buy a house, uh, and and that's what happened. And did, did you make him go down on one knee? Did, he, did he have the ring and, and, and say the words? You know what I mean? <laughs> she, no, she didn't do all those things. But just in the car, she just said, <laughs> he owns that car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is such a great story. So two months later, you guys got, yes, got married and you, you let him off the hook. You didn't yes. have to go on his knee. Yes. <laughs> in retrospect, you should have made him do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you this before we talk about me, the most important part of the podcast. When did you become a nurse then? If you're a midwife, when did you have time to be a oh, nurse? When you were born, I remember. So uh, during my time, working and studying is my life because I want to be a nurse. So going to her to the nurse board of nursing, comply all these requirements to for to write the board exam. So I had did it step by step. Mm-hmm. So working and praying assiduously to fulfill my dreams because I have my dreams that when I have a child or children, I would like them to have my wish to become a doctor that he will become a doctor. But I went to school and I uh, have all my requirements. And first, I passed the exam, the first step, uh, step by step, practical nurse or the LVN nurse. I got those licenses. And then later, I have all fulfilled the requirements to become an RN, but I didn't have time to really finish it over there because that driving there is very hard. I, didn't, I was scared driving on the snow. And the school is so far away. So I have some of the requirements to write the exam, which later on I I will fulfill it. And I'll just close the loop on that and say that, you know, mom, you took it all the way. You became the smartest RN I know. You were a director of the neuro ICU. You've done so many amazing things. But I just want to say one story that summarizes how I always view your hard work was when I was very young, yeah. I was scared to sleep in the dark. And dad was working night shift yes. just to support us. And you would study in the closet. Yes. No seat. You're on the floor hunched yes. over reading your, your nursing books with the closet yes. light. And yeah, I don't know why I never forget that story. It's always been a a motivation for me to be, you know, when I have all the opportunities to be who I want to be, you know, to really, I love that story. So back to you. Let's talk about, well, I guess back to me. Uh, Was I a planned pregnancy or was I a surprise? It it is not a plan, but it's a wanted, very wanted dying pregnancy. (laughs) I love to have a child because two years Nothing happened, but not till five years after, and then I, I became pregnant, which I don't know. I was so happy that 
my husband told me, I guess you have to just work part-time because you have, the doctor said that you don't want to lose your, this pregnancy. So I was so careful. So let's go to the punchline. Okay. I'm going to ask you, how did the pregnancy, how was the pregnancy and delivery? Oh, pregnancy first. Perfect. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have, I was so active, very active. And then that one day, one of my friends gave me a baby shower. And while we were eating, I suddenly feel a terrible, terrible pain. And I tried to stand up and go to the bathroom. But I cannot walk and stay away from the bathroom. I have the terrible pain that I have to tell my husband, call an ambulance. I think I'm going to have a labor. So they took me to the hospital where my son was born. And from there, when we reached there, I was screaming and asking the doctor to open me up because I am in terrible pain. I cannot stand this pain anymore. And then the doctor told me, I'm sorry, you're too late. You are fully dilated. And that's it. I pass out. And what week was that, Mom? Do you remember? That is a Sunday, August 18. What week of the uh, gestational? Were you like oh, the, the third trimester? The, the, this is the last trimester. So you're ready to actually, go. Uh, actually, you're supposed to born on September 18. But one month before. So about I had, four weeks earlier. Yeah, oh, but wow. You are, because okay. you are okay. so be, uh, long. <laughs> 20, 22 inches long. And I'll take your word six, for it. Yeah. And 7.4 or 5. Well, once uh, again, everyone, my mom is 4 foot 11. Yeah, and very Any, short. Anything would be humongous <laughs> in you, including me. So what happened? What happened? Keep on going. So, so during the delivery, I yeah. know I pass out, but uh, the doctor, Dr. Batarsi, which I am very, very grateful, my saver, is, she's the best gynecology doctor in Toronto saved my life. I was have a postpartum hemorrhage. I have ruptured of my uterus. I have three tears on my uh, uterus and they have to, as what they have told me, Dr. Bajaj told me, she has to pull it out, take out the, my uterus, sew all those uh, tears, put it back. And then he told me that never, never, never you'll have another child. So that was the end of my child bearing. So, let's go back. So this, I assume this was a vaginal delivery? Yeah. The and how did I come out? Would I come out pretty easy? Or was it a long time to get me out? No, was I healthy? Was I breathing? <laughs> Luckily, it's just a great miracle. My son was a healthy, healthy boy, crying out loud. But I cannot, the only way I cannot hold him, I cannot speak because I was bleeding profusely and the doctor was saying that Tita is dying. She said, you have to call her husband and his fa- her family because no, it's zero, zero on the blood pressure. And then she's dying. So have all the IVs, they told me, and the blood uh, transfusion wide upper open. and lower extremities, open wide, open mm-hmm. wide, because He's dying. It's no pulse, no pulse. So, but then suddenly I feel the thump on my big chest saying, 
No, Tita, no, Tita. This is the Divine Mercy Miracle that she is wearing red, white, and silver going up and down. Tell me, just say our Father who art in heaven loudly, 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 tell, I tell you to stop. I thought I was screaming and um, praying, and I am saying that I'm alive and alive, but the doctor and those the nurses and doctors, nurses beside me, they said, no, you were dead, Tita. You didn't see nothing. And then I heard, uh, my, they called my husband. My husband, he came, hold my hand, and the doctor told, are you going to say something to Tita? She was speechless. Nothing. She was just grabbing my hand. I heard the doctor, Tita, can you hear your son is crying hard? He's a good-looking boy. It's a boy. And then... Oh, uh, Mr. Dasgupta, what is the name of your son? And I heard him say, Raj Kumar Das Rayas Dasgupta. Mm -hmm. And I, I talked to myself, like, yes, it is, but I wasn't talking at all. It's a healthy one, and I can hear you. And that was really when I remember the saddest thing of my life. Like I cannot even hold my son on the day of the delivery. When I remember that until now, it makes me feel guilty not holding my beloved son and he will be my only love son. And I called him as a miracle baby, and it is. Nobody will believe in miracle, but I am because it's happened to me. My son who deserved to be hugged and kissed on the day of delivery as the others. I didn't have that chance. I did have only when on the eighth day when I have my arms and legs are free of this mm -hmm. ivies. I'm sorry, but that's what happened. No, it's, I it's, love uh, our son. I'm glad you told that story. I'm glad we could share that story with other people. And uh, as you uh, kind of wipe the tears off, we're going to actually pivot a little bit because the story doesn't end in Canada. We're actually doing this uh, interview in my house I grew up in, in California. So mom, why did we move to California, by the way? We moved to California, number one, is to save my son. She's every Friday for two years. She has been going in and out of the children's hospital emergency because of cold, cough, ear infection, and running fever. So I was so devastated. And I said, we have to move to a warm place. And we all agreed that in order to have a... And at the same time, I said, that's where I can fulfill my dream. So I can learn how to drive because I cannot drive in the snow. And that's a warm place. And I think I have more opportunity to finish my RN degree in California and to better... Uh, opportunity to our son. I know that that's where he is going to be. And that's what it is. We hope to. From Canada to, to California. From Canada to California. <laughs> and, you know, I wish the podcast could be as long as it wants to be because there's so many great stories that we had in California. But the podcast is about what you're going through right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what I think is the hardest part, you know, for us as a family, yes. which is going to be um, we were together, but I want to know. How was it, you know, when we finally found out for you that dad got diagnosed with Alzheimer's dementia? 
for me. It's a shocking and it's kind of end of the world. Now that I said that, oh, this is it. We can never fulfill our bucket dreams of life. The bucket because, list, that's what you want to yeah, say, right? I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Life dreams. Because we are always used to go and travel. And as my husband used to be always healthy, kind, active, though she is a bully, kind, and stubborn, and is uh, always a why, and never been a compliant. Never, never. And he always have to stand up that everybody listen to me. He doesn't want me to speak up when he is there, when someone is asking question. Until now, even though he has Alzheimer, I cannot speak for what he's you know, feeling because he's still aware that those he forget everything within a minute. And that's what happens. So shocking. And we have to adjust ourselves. And being a nurse, I have to use some little white lie. That's some of the, I have to have the psychological and nursing process approach to, to save my husband. So, take care of my so I would say, you know, finding out, you know, because I was right next to you, it really is, I can't believe it's us. Uh, yes. That's the first thing that went through our minds. And uh, yeah, you know, I think that it's, it, it's never a good time to get diagnosed, but it was, it was a, it was a rough time in our family, you know, and it, not to say it's not now, but it, it definitely was. So me and you, we always talk about this, which is, were there signs that now looking back, man, man that, 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 that was the signs of early oh, yes. cognitive dysfunction. What, what were some of those signs that maybe you see now? Now I thought that all those things are normal. She is a forgetful one. She all everywhere when we travel, she either she loses the credit cards, his uh, <laughs> Mrs. passport, or the cell phone. Uh, cell phone, three <laughs> literally. <times. laughs> And uh, doesn't know where the direction we're going. But you remember you told me something before this podcast I, that remember you said he lost confidence driving. Oh yeah, and she lost confidence driving because she always asked me, and she wants cannot she doesn't want to travel alone. And when we want have an interview or something or to see something, we have to go and drive a trial, 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 trial. <laughs> <laughs> Not only one time, twice, sometimes three times. To make sure that he is satisfied. That's what we have been doing. And what? And we talked also about socially. How did he change? She changed socially. Before she used to, oh, she's a very kind of talkative person when it's in front of everybody. But whatever she tell, tell them to do this, do this, do that. But he doesn't do it for himself. And that's the man he is. And uh, so. What did we notice? What did we notice? that she, she just can't want to be alone. She doesn't want to go out to eat. She doesn't want to call anyone. She just said, yeah, just go alone by yourself. Even his own family come and visit. She doesn't want to join us to go out and eat. She just wants to stay home. And you know, I think I get from this mom, which I want the podcast listeners to know, is that it's the things like social isolation. Yes. Losing confidence in going out yes. and driving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe ne never knowing the never. date and time. Yeah. You know, and you always take it for granted. Yes, you that's know? what happened. And you're right. You know, yeah. and these were signs that we didn't notice one month before yes, diagnosis. Yeah. These were things years. Years, years. Develop years. 
and um, you're a pretty good nurse. Yes. I'm an okay doctor. <laughs> I, we didn't even see it. Well, we are the best. I wouldn't go that far, but I love your confidence in me. But, you know, let's talk about the now. You know, let me be honest. You do everything for dad. I I contribute very little. You are in the trenches. So what is the hardest part of taking care of dad right now? Before this hospice, the bad taking care of him is she's an uncompliant. She doesn't listen to anything. So I have to use my common sense and have to... Think of his culture, his all his superstitious belief. Well, give me all some examples. So, what what are some things that were really hard? Have, the hardest. She doesn't want to have a shower. She will just want to have a bed bath. Okay. She doesn't want to eat all the things that. Uh, well, let's yeah. talk about the most important one. Let's talk about the car. Uh, the, uh, about the driving because he loves to drive. She wants to. Uh, go out all, all the time. So the key and the wallet is the most important time in her life that scares me. This is the life and death situation for me. I have to hide all the sharp knives in our house, uh, anything that will be able to hit me or something like that. So I hide them all to make sure it's a precautionary. Every day is just like a ritual. Morning, evening, anytime that she gets up, where's my key and my wallet? I want to go out. I want to do this, do that. So I have to lie. I have to park my car away from the door, a window that so he cannot see. And if he sees there, she asks me, what happened to the car? So I used to lie. I said, it's, it's in the garage. It has to be fixed for how many days? I used to say a week or two. And then... She told me, where's my key? And then I said that uh, you lost it yesterday. How did I lose it? Told me, would he end up yelling and screaming? Oh, screaming every exactly. day. Every day. She's screaming. And I was so scared because he is so intense on his looking for the keys and his wallet. Oh, it drives and me. And can you crazy. reason with him? And you cannot reason. I know him. you can. I want them to hear yeah. that. And once again, you're four foot eleven. Yeah, that is almost six, six foot. She <laughs> can just throw me out, and that's what I yes, was scared can. of. Yes, he can. One time, I have to call his sister mm-hmm. uh, to talk to him in the phone just to calm him down. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I told Russ uh, they have to increase the anxiety medication and uh, <laughs> what's the other medicine to calm him down. And yeah. oh, that was the. Uh, she always asks everything, whatever medication she's taking. Always, do I have to take all this this shit? I know she called the medication. Yep, but and, she and, has to. And let me bring one more thing before the next question, Mom. Did Dad fall a lot? Oh yes, at that time she was. <laughs> oh and, and we're not even bringing that part. Yeah. So, so my poor. So my poor. I'll, I'll bring it up. Yeah. So my poor dad is. It falls quite a bit. Quite a bit. At and time. even in. Can you catch him? No, I cannot. You catch cannot him. catch him. I just let him go. And what he ended up having, he developed what's called a subdural hematoma. Yes, exactly. And one day, well, you know, early in his diagnosis, when he was still allowed to drive, yeah. what happened? What happened one day we were driving? It's good we're driving. Say the punchline. What do you think? What do you have? She have a focal seizure. Yes, seizure while driving. Who was in the passenger seat? I am in the passenger seat, and he was driving. It's good I noticed it, and we are on the right side. 
So I, when I noticed, I said, go and stop, stop. So I had to stop it, step on the brake. And he was so upset. She was telling, shouting on me, why do you have to stop me? I'm go- or else I'm going to uh, push you out. So I said, no, you stop. I turn off the key and take away. And I push him on the, dry, the passenger seat and I uh, drove him because and, and, at that time, yeah. he sees your stop is only about one or two seconds, and then... But let's be honest, at that time, we didn't even know it was a seizure, yeah, right, Mom? No, I... What I did you call? Was, I thought he was a straw. You called me? We, yeah, I called Raj and immediately. And we, we ran to the hospital. Yes, yes. And that's and when like, we, we found out about the yes, subdural, subdural hematoma and hematoma. the seizures. Yes. So anyways, with all those being said, and it was becoming hard for you, hard for me, what did we do for Dad? What did we go into? The, the hospice... Raj, Michelle, oh, she is my, my daughter-in-law. It's the best daughter-in-law in the whole world. She's a good, excellent mother for my grandchildren and a good, excellent wife for my son. And I love her so dearly. She helps me for everything, what we physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially mm-hmm. for all the things that we need. And to how to take care of my husband. That's how when this hospice, our home hospice came, this is the answer. Of, uh, for me, this is what the answer for those people who want to take care of their loved ones. Home hospice is the best. And to help them understand, that's where Michelle, my wife, and I, we sat down with you yeah. and we made a decision together. Yes. To do hospice, which I think was Including just our granddaughter Mina. She is old enough to. <laughs> she is a great help. What are some of the most helpful parts of being in hospice in, uh, in terms of taking care yes. of dad? The doctors are good. The RNs, the LVNs, the babysitter, and the one who can the bather mm-hmm. three times a week for the sitter and bather to come. And the nurses is so good and. I I don't have any problem. All the supplies are delivered here you know, whenever you need it. Supplies are very good. And I like the company, so yeah. I have to say the company. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that if you can afford this will have this problem with if you love your family, if you can have it, have the home hospice. Yeah. And uh, no, and you said uh, company because, mom, is it lonely here sometimes? So, oh, yes, because... Uh, you need to have a uh, you know, family that can help you. Uh, right now, I'm so happy that my sister, Jusita Reyes Toledo from uh, Canada, came over for four months to help me to gain more strength, confidence, and be more happier and to have less stress. And that's true. Having someone to talk to and help throughout this I call it the death <laughs> of our life. It's really very, very helpful. And thank you for everything. No, and I would say like what I tell others going through this, you know, Alzheimer's dementia, like other dementias, is sometimes harder on the family than it is on the patient. And yes. I say that in the nicest, caring yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I have and two, now that yeah. my husband is calming down, it's easy to take care. And because of the good nursing, she doesn't have any DQ. She doesn't have skin problem. Always, she's always keep clean. I will make sure of that. And he's looking healthy. 
and <laughs> we are making me happy. But when the time comes, we are ready. Yes, we are. So let me do our last two questions, Mom. Okay. So in your opinion, there are so many other families who are unfortunately going through having loved ones with dementia. Yes. What are maybe your two or three tips that you want to give to other families who are going through what we're going through? First thing you should do, gather over your family who wants to get involved. Then you have to make sure that someone is willing to help you anytime that you need, like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, and have a lawyer that will do your your living will, living trust, and how to take care of your family, whether you're ready to, uh, you want to revive him when he has a dying thing, or you want to uh, keep him alive, or you want to, whatever your intention is, and have funeral arrangement. It's a must to have a funeral arrangement. So in this way, we are all prepared. So my husband, if he pass away, we have all the respect, the love, all the uh, dignity that he wants to be and his wish to be at home dying. So we don't have any guilt feelings at all. This is what I told to my son and my daughter. I, we don't want to have a guilt feelings. Whatever it takes, we have to take care of your dad. And if he wants to die here, let him die with dignity and respect. And tell me if you agree with me, Mom. I think the theme that I learned from this is that Always ask for help. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I, I think. That's the, I think that's the first thing is yeah. to realize you can't, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Don't put everything on your shoulders. Yes. yes. And uh, I think that, that, you know, you're such an independent mom. You've done so much <laughs> right. in your life. That was the one thing I shared with you is convincing you that, hey, your shoulders, the four foot 11 shoulders yeah. could only handle so much. Yes. And that's where hospice try to help us out. Yes, exactly. But, um, Last question, because you've done such a great job. I just ask this for all my guests, so, yeah. you know, and treat you equally. Uh, if you could have just one wish right now, one wish, you know what I mean? My, what would it be? Well, my one wish is to have my loving grandson, Aiden Michael Dasgupta, to the free of this autism, give him life, happiness, peace, and joy in this world. Um, please, Lord, I beg you and I pray for you for his the success in life. Give him and he will receive the, the bread of life and chalice of celebration. So most people don't people. know what we're talking about here. My so son. what my mom my is trying son. to say that her grandson, my son, my, my middle child, right? Yes. Aiden, he has pretty severe autism. And I want, I'm glad my mom mentioned this at the end because, you know, for a lot of people who are listening to my podcast, everyone's life looks kind of good on the outside. But when you start realizing everyone's life has so many challenges. And in our family, it was Michelle's dad died of a brain tumor. My dad has Alzheimer's. Our, your grandson has autism. Is there any more we could add to the list? But I'm glad. I'm so glad that, uh, you know what I mean, that you brought this up. But Hey mom, uh, did you have a did you did you have fun being on the podcast? Oh, not only fun, I it really gives me more <laughs> like happiness that I can say what I want to say, and uh, my family will know that how much 
I love and care my husband and my whole family, Dr. Raj, Dr. Michelle, my grandchildren, Mina, Aiden, and Sadie. And my, if I have a second wish, I want them to fulfill my dreams, to go home to where I was uh, born, to see the old place where I am, and I still have all those treasured <laughs> house, old house by my parents where I was brought up. Well, Mom, let me just close out the podcast by saying that you are, words can't describe how much I love you, and you've made me who I am today. And even though I'm half Indian, half Filipino, you're greedy, and you made me most Filipino. <laughs> you. And, uh, I, and I appreciate all of that. And uh, I love you very much. I love you so much. All Thank right. you, everyone. <laughs> and this is not uh, advice, but if you are listening this is my own feeling and my experience, how to take care of a loved one. And thank you so much. And that is a very, very special episode of the Dr. Raj podcast. Stay tuned in two more weeks for the next episode. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Breve.